We- Hello and welcome to Coco Pods, a podcast of the Blood Center for Natural Deliveries Foundation. My name is Dr. Bola Sogade. I'm the host of this public education podcast. I'm very fortunate to have with me today a pediatrician, a specialist in her area, Dr. Kwase Sanusi. Thank you, Dr. Sugade. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here. Good morning, everybody. Dr. Ekwase Sanusi, you have the advantage of practicing both in America and in Nigeria. I mean, what is the newborn car seat situation in Nigeria? Well, we have a long way to go in Nigeria. And uh, but people who know, they know. Um, most people that have cars, they do have car seats because they are usually the more educated um, families. The situation in Nigeria is different because most people do not have cars. The population is not um, at a point where most people have cars. Maybe like 50% of people don't have cars. So in that case, if they're going on the bus, we actually have a carrier. When the mom carries the baby on the back and puts the wrapper and ties that wrapper, that baby is very secure because the mom is sitting down the baby's on her back in the when you're going in your in the bus and you're going up and down the place and those babies most babies you see them on the back they're not crying they're happily sleeping and i think it's also a bond that is part of the the reason why babies are just whole whole and, and calm and relaxed you know and it's something that we've always done over the decades and before there was anything like cars, people were carrying babies on their backs. And it's just a wonderful thing. When you see a mom carrying her baby on her back with an umbrella to shield her baby from the sun, that is a common thing in Nigeria. And those babies are very content and very happy. And most of those babies, especially when they are breastfed, we don't see them in the hospital apart from for immunizations. They are not sick. They don't have any problems because of that breastfeeding and that vitamin D from the sun and it's it's a it's a different life. Wow. That's all. Wow. Thank you so much. You know, because that's something you and I did, and that was a skill that was handed to us by our mothers and grandmothers. Yes. Able to use just two pieces of clothing, and yes. you can put the baby on your back. And we hope to be able to transfer this to our daughters. Yes, and the babies will sleep for three, four hours happily, and wake up when they are ready to eat. So that's, um, you know, I think that's something that we can also share with the world because that thing works. It works. Thank you. So as we talk about this baby wrapper thing, as a new mom, you're probably looking for anything that makes your life easier. Baby wearing is one African tradition that does just that. Not only is it helpful, but it's also beautiful and has rich cultural origins. This ancient Yoruba tradition allowed mothers to bring food and their precious babies with them simultaneously, leading to an evolutionary division between men's and women's work responsibilities in this subsistence lifestyle. The wrapper, handwoven by a woman in Nigeria, this traditional Yoruba cloth in which both corners are tied together to create a secure fit 
around the mother's waist is used as a baby carrier. The baby sits snugly against her mother's back. Her legs wrap around her mother's waist. The mother's hands remain free to walk or carry other things. The Yoruba rapa, the Yoruba rapa measures 72 inches long and 16 inches wide. Hand loomed of cotton. The ends are plain woven with a fringe ending. But at the center where the baby sits, the carrier is embellished with thick cut pile weaving, which provides warmth, absorbency, and decoration. An additional modern embellishment is the use of lurex, a shiny synthetic thread interwoven with the cotton. It cradles the little one close against her mother's back and allows mom to go about her daily activities hands-free. The beautifully hand-loomed cotton fabric comes plain woven with fringed edges for the final flourish, proving yet again how different cultures have unique ways of showing their deep affection towards children since time immemorial. This method of transporting a baby can be compared with other methods elsewhere in the world and from different periods. Different methods of carrying babies reflect varied meanings about the relation between the mother and the child, the period of carrying infants, and the mother's daily work. People's ingenuity blossomed into an art form with exquisite designs from all parts of the world. Asia used kimono silk for its intricate beauty. India brought in saris to pass down their cultural heritage and customs through generations, while Mexican mothers held close to what was dear using a sacred rebozo fabric and the beautiful kanga originating from East Africa. Each traditional wrap with an immense cultural significance and each one offering something special between mother and baby. So historically, thousands of years ago, moms and dads used natural materials like bark and leaves as baby carriers for their children as they moved around in search of food. As we progressed through time, weaving created a new kind of fabric that could be tied closely against the adult or another sibling. As mankind evolved, so did the creativity of baby carriers. In the late 1960s, a young American woman's time spent as a Peace Corps volunteer in West Africa was an inspirational journey that led her to invent the snuggly baby carrier, inspired by her witnessing African women carrying their little ones on their backs with ease. The benefits of baby wearing are numerous. Babies love the closeness to their parent, as well as the warmth and safety a baby carrier provides. It helps keep them contented. 
making life with a newborn easier for everyone. In addition, baby carriers can make it much simpler for moms and dads to move around while doing chores or running errands without leaving their infant behind. Ultimately, not only does baby wearing offer convenience and practicality, it also brings meaningful connection between parent and child. A maintained physical bond is an invaluable resource that greatly enhances well-being and mental health in humans of all ages, even newborns. Now, other benefits that have been found for baby wearing with the wrapper includes it encourages breastfeeding due to close physical contact. It promotes language development in babies, and it's good for the parents' mental health, for the mom's mental health. It's been shown to prevent the flat head syndrome, plagiocephaly. The baby may cry less. It's good for the baby's hips. It can help fight colic and it mimics a warm environment for the baby. So baby wearing has been practiced in Africa and neighboring regions for centuries, being passed down through generations with great ease. It is a beautiful practice that can bring parents and infants closer, comforting both of them and allowing for easy collaboration and mutual understanding between the two. Although it may seem like a challenging thing to do at first, when done correctly, baby wearing is wonderfully comfortable for both parent and child. The wonderful array of African-style baby carriers on the market today provides ample opportunities for parents all over the world to experience this profound form of affection, honor its traditions, and share this bond with future generations. The sources for this include Yoruba Baby Rapper by Richard F. Brush Art Gallery at St. Lawrence University, Yoruba Woven Baby Rapper, Nigeria, in worldhistorycommons.org, and by Ade Plus Ayo and also by Peace Corps Worldwide, where you look for the volunteer who invented the snuggie. So we go back to Dr. Ekwase Sanusi. So how about with the CPR or infant choking class? Um, this is scary, but it's better to know you know, how to manage this than not to know. Can you make a comment on that? Yes. Um, I When I worked in the NICU, it was mandatory for parents to know how to do CPR. And for those who don't know, the NICU is a neonatal intensive care unit. If you've had a baby that has been extremely sick for any reason at all, we always used to recommend that parents go get trained in CPR. And it is a skill that I recommend everybody should know, especially if you have a baby. So if you do the CPR, they teach you what to look out for if your baby is choking, especially as baby is uh, crawling around the place, putting everything in their mouth. So um, I actually did the CPR instructor course. And um, the reason that I did it is because 
a lot of people don't even know where to get CPR trained. But there's, um, if you just ask the local fire station, a lot of places do CPR than people realize. So I think it's um, always a good idea to be CPR trained and CPR certified wherever you are. And that will also help, especially if your baby chokes on something or not necessarily even just your baby. When you have children and you're, you're in a growing family, anything can happen. It's always good to know CPR for babies, for extremes of life, elderly parents, just to have an idea of what you're doing when you're doing CPR is such a good thing. So I would definitely recommend it for everybody, not just for parents of children who've been in the NICU. And CPR stands for cardiopulmonary resuscitation. And right. we try to uh, 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 bring a choking baby, establish airway and um, bring them back to life, right? Right, right. Hopefully they haven't uh, passed out, but CPR, you know, with the, you do your chest compressions, you maintain the airway and you just make sure that the baby gets the the correct first aid before they stay, hoping that they're, they're not going to pass out because you've done the right thing. Yeah. Well, thank you. And as we pivot to the next topic, you know, we, wh- why do we need a birth certificate? Why does a newborn need a birth certificate? Everybody gets it, at least in, in some places. But why do we need a birth certificate? And what kind of information goes on a birth certificate? Well, if you're born in America and you don't have a birth certificate, that can be very, that can be a problem because first of all, to get any kind of benefits, you have to show that there was a baby that was born. So getting a birth certificate is very important so that you can, your baby can be registered so that your baby can get health insurance so that your baby can get any kind of benefit that is due your baby. And it's something that is uh, also part of the census of the country. We want to know our uh, birth rates, we want to know is it's all part of planning. If we do not know, if there's no record that a baby was born in a house, then how does the uh, the budget go for that city? If if you think only 10, uh, 10 million babies were born, when 20 million were really born, how are you going to plan for schools, for the future, and even for amenities, the library? If you have a library that only has capacity for 10 million children and there's 20 million children born, then that means there's going to be overload of the resources and at the end of the day it's uh, it's chaos everywhere so getting a birth certificate is important if you want to ever travel across the border you need to be able to produce that birth certificate to get uh, uh, some countries you can go with just your birth certificate but most countries now require a passport for you to leave america or where whichever country you're born you need to get a passport and that baby needs a passport to do anything so it's always a good idea to get a birth certificate now in some countries in the old days, they didn't have, like, I'll give you an example. My mom, she didn't get um, registered because a lot of people were having babies at home. And especially in those days, this is, I was talking about in the 50s and actually we're talking about in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s. In those days to go to where they were giving out birth certificates, you'd have to go a long journey. And most families, especially they they were they had limited income, they're not going to spend the resources that they have just to go get a birth certificate. So a lot of people ended up getting birth or registered maybe a month or two, or even three months later. Some people, even a year later, they were registered as uh, being born. So many of them, their birth certificates were off by a few months. And it doesn't really matter now, but because we don't have that problem now, but it's better to do the right thing so that your baby can get 
registered and so that there will be resources for the baby moving forward. And the information on the birth certificate, what's the basic information that should be on a birth certificate? Most times it's the mother's, the father's name, the mother's name, and then you have the time of birth where the baby was born, just so that it's everything, the record is set straight, you know. Actually, the birth weight is on the, on the birth certificate. Yes. It's funny that you're asking about the details because we see these things all the time. And we actually don't acknowledge the, the length of the baby is on the birth certificate. Yes. The color of the eyes is on the birth certificate. Yes. Because guess what? If a mom shows up with a baby that looks different from and says, this is my baby. And with, with the child trafficking nowadays, it's important to look at all those things. Because if a mom says, this is my child and there's no evidence to show this is the mom of this child. The birth certificate will show all that. And then you show up and at least if the mom can produce her ID, that yes, I'm the mom, my name is on the birth certificate, this is me. Because some people go into hospitals and they steal babies. Unfortunately, you have a lot of mental illness now where a baby is in the newborn nursery and that's why they have tags. Babies have tags. If that baby is being, has been collected from the NICU and they're heading out the door, that tag will, <laughs> will go off so that nobody makes up with other people's babies. You know, so um, <laughs> in this day of information and technology, we're using technology now with the barcode and all that to to um, streamline all these things. But getting a birth certificate is very, very important. It's more important now than it was those days, you know, especially with all the um, things that are going on all over the world. Wow. Thank you so very much for, for saying that. Yeah, on the birth certificate, we have the, the baby's given name. Um, if the baby has a name in some cultures, like in Nigeria, there's a delay in actually getting the name. For That's the baby, true. Right? That's true, because the baby is not supposed to be named until they are seven days old. And I believe that in some cultures, it was because a lot of babies did not survive in the first seven days. So that's why they waited for the baby to survive, because if they waited and they were a week old, you know that the baby wasn't going anywhere and everybody would, that's when they do the naming ceremony. And it's a big deal in a lot of our tribes, you know, but a very interesting, very interesting topic that you brought up actually with this birth certificate and naming ceremonies. Yeah, absolutely. Here in America, it's different. People, by the time they get pregnant, they didn't have the name of the baby and the name of the baby is everywhere. It's like, oh yes, baby's going to be called this, which is good. That's all part of planning. Right. Yeah. So different culture, different stripes. And yeah, um, yeah so in, we, we have the name of the baby, the name of the parents, the weight of the baby, the length and um, the certifying official. So I think that's, you know, whoever delivered, whether it's a midwife, a physician and they sign off. So those are the things we have on a birth certificate. So thank you so much for really explaining that, you know. So after the baby is born, when is a good time to schedule the baby's first pediatrician appointment? Very important. Um, usually we like to see babies within the first two weeks after they are born. So if a baby is born by normal delivery and everything is going well, as long as the baby is drinking and peeing a lot, at least uh, five five wet diapers every day to show that mom is mom has enough milk if mom is breastfeeding or if mom is formula feeding. We want to make sure that the baby is not losing weight. We want to see the baby in the first two weeks of life. Some pediatricians will say, I want to see the baby on day three of life because in the hospital, they lost more than 10% of the body weight and or they've lost too much weight. 
usually in the first two weeks of life, babies will lose about less than 10% of their body weight. And then they tend to gain it back in the, in the next two weeks. So in the first month, the baby's weight will go down and then it will start to go up. And that's because the baby has is transitioning from in utero, being in the uterus, to being outside of the uterus. And there's a lot of uh, different uh, biochemical processes that happen with the baby. Plus, the baby is learning how to feed. In the uterus, the baby is feeding from the placenta and gets everything through the, from, the, uh, from the mom through the placenta. Now the baby has to feed to maintain its weight, to maintain um, calories and everything. So the baby is now learning how to feed. And then the baby is sucking from the breast or the bottle, depending. We prefer breast milk. And um, the babies will lose weight and then start to gain the weight back. If a baby is sick, the baby will not eat. And then the baby might need to be admitted. And so the neonatal period is a very, um, it's, a, it's, it's a very touch and go period. And that's why most doctors, we want to see the baby. If the baby is not doing well in the NICU or when they're born, they don't leave the hospital. They stay in the hospital. But if they are good enough to be discharged home, some doctors will say, I want to see your baby. If you're going home on Monday, I want to see your baby by Wednesday. So it really varies. If your baby is nice and healthy and thriving, the first two weeks is fine. But if the baby is not doing well, your, your doctor might want to see the baby um, over and over again until the baby is fine. Or if there's a problem with jaundice, because if the baby is not eating, they're not excreting, they're not peeing, and then they end up having a neonatal jaundice, which is a different topic from what we're talking about today. But the, the doctor might want to check the bilirubin level every day until it goes down, because that level will go up in the first uh, three to five days. And usually it peaks in the third day for a term newborn. It starts to go down by the fifth day. And if the doctor is monitoring, you might need to be seen every day. Your baby might need to be seen every day for that. And now if the baby has severe um, jaundice or is not eating and is not tolerating feeds and is dehydrated, the baby might need to be in the hospital getting IV fluids. Or if there's sepsis, the baby will be in the hospital. But once the baby is discharged home, follow up with the pediatrician according to the um, the schedule, and now usually is um, one to two weeks. In the first one to two weeks, their first physical usually we do at two weeks. And then after that, it's, the baby can be seen at one month or two months, but it's usually uh, first two weeks, then two months, four months, six months, if the baby is doing fine. And if the baby is not doing fine, is not doing well in the NICU or when they're born, they don't leave the hospital. They stay in the hospital. But if they are good enough to be discharged home, some doctors will say, I want to see your baby. If you're going home on Monday, I want to see your baby by Wednesday. So it really varies. If your baby is nice and healthy and thriving, the first two weeks is fine. But if the baby is not doing well, your, your doctor might want to see the baby um, over and over again until the baby is fine. Or if there's a problem with jaundice, because if the baby is not eating, they're not excreting, they're not peeing, and then they end up having uh, neonatal jaundice, which is a different topic from what we're talking about today. But the, the doctor might want to check the bilirubin level every day until it goes down because that level will go up in the first uh, three to five days. And usually it peaks in the third day for a term newborn. It starts to go down by the fifth day. And if the doctor is monitoring, you might need to be seen every day. Your baby might need to be seen every day for that. And now if the baby has severe um, jaundice or is not eating and is not tolerating feeds and is dehydrated, the baby might need to be in the hospital getting IV fluids. Or if there's sepsis, the baby will be in the hospital. But once the baby is discharged home, follow up with the pediatrician according to the um, the schedule. And now usually is 
um, one to two weeks. In the first one to two weeks, their first physical usually we do at two weeks. And then after that, it's, the baby can be seen at one month or two months, but it's usually uh, first two weeks, then two months, four months, six months, if the baby is doing fine. And if the baby is not doing fine, then you, you'll be seeing your pediatrician sooner than later. Also, bear in mind that vaccines are given at birth. And after birth, two months, four months, six months in the U.S., in Nigeria, it's usually six weeks, 10 weeks, 14 weeks. And then the schedules are different based on which country you live in. But you just go with the recommendations for the country that you live in because that way there's no confusion and everybody on um, on, is immunized by the time you're ready to go to school. Well, thank you so much. Um, so in our upcoming episodes... When should you add your newborn baby to your insurance policy? 